I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio for a Misery Loves Company edition of our show. My name is Bill Matz, and I am your director of fun and games for the evening. We have so much fun. We have so many games to play tonight. They're all centered around uh, Dave Hackstall and what the hell he's doing, because no one knows. He actually said out loud that Andrew McDonald's a top three or four defenseman. Uh, that's probably what, uh, that's probably the only thing we're going to talk about tonight. But uh, we we got a lot of yelling to do, Steph and I are veterans of yelling about sports. I'm doing this cross-promotion for Kelly. <laughs> Is this true? So let me introduce to you first my panel. I already said her name. My broadcast partner in crime. My homegirl, Easy D, Steph Driver. <laughs> well, yeah, we there. there we go. Uh, that I've... was one of the jokes I wrote on my hand, Easy D. Oh, excellent. I am, I am a specialist in Easy D. Um, I have six words. Okay. Jakob Zaboral, Zach Sinishin, Jake DeBrusque. Thank you. <laughs> With us as always, joining you. us, joining us, joining us at this late hour, Kelly Hinkle. Hello. I'd like anyone to imagine something more flyers than scratching a young, talented forward for absolutely no reason, bringing him back, and then having immediately get hurt. Uh, the only thing I can think of That's offhand is signing a goalie for $50 million, trading away the rookie you had, and then him winning the Vezina. That's the only thing that comes to me offhand. Oh, oh yeah, that. that As more flyer than, than this bit. Travis Konechny situation. <laughs> yeah. Last but not what? least... Last but not least, the man who makes the show run. It should probably just be an hour of him talking. Well, Charlie this is, O'Connor. This is BroadStreetCharlie.com. Yeah. 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 It's oh, his website. We just work here. So we complain about Dave Haxtell, and, and not to say we're not justified, but you know we could have Randy Carlisle, who apparently has convinced everyone in Anaheim that Cam Fowler is their best defenseman and obviously is going to get Cam protected. America! Cam America, instead of, you know, Hampus Lindholm or, or Sammy Vatanen or, or Josh Manson, all of which are much better, all of whom are much better. Then Cam Fowler, and if I'm if I'm a fan of a team, I'm very angry if my team's GM is not desperately trying to get one of those three guys away from Anaheim because they're all really good and they're all better than Cam Fowler. Well, I'm a fan Randy of a team, Carlisle Charlie. Funny. I'm a fan of a team, Charlie, and I believe that uh, they wouldn't trade him to my team. As I'm showing my panel right now, I am wearing my protest hat. It is my L.A. Kings hat, and it is the hat I wear when I am protesting the fly. This is indeed a time of protest right now. Did, did you know that if you own any apparel from a team that is not the one that you cover, 
you need to be ousted as a fan. Yes. Oh, I, I forgot it. about that. Uh, I got a, I got an issue. This is true. Like You have to only own apparel from the team that you cover. I got an that issue it. with hockey slang. And some of it I really, really dig. Mm. I really like some hockey slang. But I got to say, calling assists apples is the most asinine thing I've ever heard. I, I mean, like it. They both start with A, so it's, it just makes a lot of sense. I, it's <laughs> like it's so dumb. There's nothing cool about an apple. Like an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Like it's healthy. Is that the only thing anyone knows about apples? You know what's Yoshi worse? You can turn them. it into sauce. Calling, okay, well, well, calling hair lettuce is worse. Oh, that's bad. That's bad because flow is so good. Flow is fantastic. I grow my hair out just to have flowing flow. under my helmet, and I don't even play anymore. Yeah. Lettuce is ridiculous. <laughs> lettuce I would is slap someone if I heard them. So, say do you have about. any any other suggestions on what we could use in place of apple? We Assess. always we always said got that ass. That's that's what we we like got that ass when you picked up the assist. Well, that's vulgar. Yeah, no, but it's, it's, we could definitely have that at every hockey broadcast. Obviously, it's, a, <laughs> it's it, it's in the word. It's not like you're swearing. It's just like assistant. Maybe you could get Butcher Gross to tweet it later. It'll be official. College <sighs> hockey. Yeah. So at that ass, I like it. That's, oh no, it's happening. So uh, as Steph as Steph alluded to in her opening hot take, the Bruins are just a freaking mess. <laughs> Fucking mess. I will say it was masterful to announce the firing of Claude Julian right before the Patriots parade. Oh, that was brilliant. And have the press conference during the Patriots Super Bowl parade. It, masterful. There's nothing quite like. I mean, it it was better than the Friday news dump because this is nobody in the fucking area is paying attention to you right now. The reporters who were there were furious (laughs) that they were missing the parade. It was like they were 10 years old and you were like missing Santa Claus. Like It was so damn, like the whole thing's stupid. Like he's not the coach because the goalie sucks since January 1st and like they haven't drafted well and they trade away their good players. Yeah. Like none of the things that the coach is really responsible for. It seems like for the past year they've been threatening to fire this guy, and yeah, that's the, it's been a weird yeah. thing for a while now. Like I, I'm, I'm not necessarily one to jump on the whole, oh, the team chemistry, and you know, it messes with the team chemistry, it messes with the mentality of the team. But like when your coach is constantly being told that he might get fired by people in the organization. Like that's gotta wear on you a little bit, right? Like you, you think. think, yeah. You like if you're so. kind of worried that your team's gonna team's coach is gonna just get like get let go one day because the GM occasionally like once a month is like, well, you know, we might make a move. It's like, what, what the hell are you? What the hell are you do that for your coach who's been your coach for years, who's won you a cup? Like, didn't the Giants do that for a string of years and they won two Super Bowls? True, but I don't know if that. But I guess the difference there was that that was just the crazy New York media. Mm. I don't think anybody Fair. in the Giants organization was acting like he might get fired. Like, you know, like a month a month ago, Sweeney had a press conference <laughs> and was just so like, dumb. "Yeah, we, it was like, yeah, we might fire him. Like, we're we're, we're evaluating the situation. It was yeah, like the like- it was like the worst vote of confidence ever." At least when they come out and say my coach isn't going anywhere, you know he's going to get fired in two months. At least but they like, said it. Yeah, at least just said out loud like we're keeping him. Like, how do you how do you be like? Yeah, we're probably going to fire and then leave the whole organization and then oh they're playing bad. No shit. That's obviously that's what happened. And, and, and the players point- love routine. Yeah. They hate anything that shakes things up. Yeah. And the funny part about it is, as you hinted, is that the 
the Bruins, like, they're really not playing that bad, at least with what the coach can sort of control. They have the best Corsi in the league. They have the best expected goals in the league of five-on-five. They're just not shooting well, which, I mean, you know, maybe getting a guy like Travis Konechny in the draft in 2015 might have helped a little bit there. Hmm. Maybe. If only he were available. And Tuka Rask has like a 900 save percentage since the start of the new year. Like, it's just... It happens. And their their backups have been really bad. Like, I, I, I saw some stat that basically said like, is it like the... 18 games that backups have started, they've won three of them. Yeah, I Ooh. saw, like, I looked at Rask's win total, and then I looked at the team's win total. I was like, oh, that's uh, interesting. <laughs> oh. They only oh. win when he plays. What yeah, well, so they can't win if this guy doesn't play, and he's not playing particularly well right now. What the hell you know is the coach happened? supposed to do with that? I'm going to tell you what happened in Tuga Rask. He grew that mustache. It all went <laughs> downhill from there. Move. It was Mustaches bad. are not great. His was so, heard it here first. Yeah. So, uh, Remember how the Arizona Coyotes were going to sort this all out and they had this new idea, they are going to get this stadium in Tempe and everything was going to be cool? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's not happening. That. That, yeah, that's, that's off now. <laughs> Narrator that's, voice. <laughs> that's over with now. Uh, <laughs> the Arizona Coyotes aren't going to stay in Glendale. They've made that clear. And they don't have their stadium at ASU. So uh, they've checked out stadiums and they've looked at arenas in Portland and Seattle. You know where there's a nice shiny arena? Quebec City. I don't think they'd Just move saying. them out the east. I know that they wouldn't, but they want to keep it. the. Uh, I re- part of it. Part I of know, the story I read is they want to keep the Islanders. geographical balance. Yeah. Try to like because mm-hmm. it's already sixteen fourteen. Right. So they yeah. want to try to keep some teams out west. With well, Vegas will be fifteen, I and then a sixteenth, and then they want to extract some money from that Canadian market. Yeah. Like that's that's the thing is the team that moves there is going to be an expansion team, so it's they can get their five hundred million. Great. I just I just don't understand why the NHL isn't rushing to get a team in Seattle. Like it just yeah, to me it's it's weird. Weird. it seems like it's the perfect, perfect like a, market. Such a perfect market. Yeah. You have the hipster market, like expendable income people, like minimum wage is like four hundred bucks an hour out there. Well, I would it seems like the perfect place for bearded weirdos to drink their also, fancy beer and go to a hockey game. Also, like a built-in rivalry with Vancouver because it's so close. And plus, mm-hmm. Vancouver fans will literally go to Seattle for cheaper just to go to. Oh, Seattle. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that, it, it makes too much sense. Uh, Portland or Seattle both seem like great places for a hockey team. I eventually want to get the league to thirty-four teams. I feel I feel like that's the number. Uh, to bring back scoring. I think that's all that has to happen. Yeah, just get worse players in the league. That's the only way to do it. Players are too good now. You need third and fourth line scrubs. You need Chris Vandevelde out there. Oh, so God. You need Chris Vandevelde out there Everybody's so the good players have their Chris Vandevelde. So the good players can take advantage of it. That's and all then, there is to it. And then well, yeah, Bill pulls off of his mask and are, he is Dave Haxtell. Yeah. A lot of good <laughs> players certainly do take advantage of Chris Vandevelde. That's... Oh. I, I want to get to I want to get to Dale Weeson a little bit because We're not I'm going to pronounce speaking of underwhelming players. <laughs> well, you know what sucks about the Coyotes is that they are uh, I think they're a well-run team now. Um, they've got a lot of young and exciting talent. They also have f- former Flyers that I really appreciate, if, if nothing than for their personalities, like Ryan White and Luke Shen. Luke. <laughs> I love Luke Shen. I love Ryan. I need a cigarette white. (laughs) Ryan White's crazy dad. You guys see that? (laughs) Yeah, like they're they they should be. I did see that. Yeah, he um they they're a fun team, and it sucks that they have this happening in the background because they they could contend in a couple in a few years. That's the thing. It's going to be a real shame for the fans they do have. Yeah, like I look at the uh, like the Seattle SuperSonics. 
they, oh, with Durant. They got Kevin Durant, and the next year they moved to Oklahoma City. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what I see happening. It with sucks. Like, everything coming together for the Coyotes, and then all of a sudden they're in the Pacific Northwest. Like, my, my favorite, one of my top favorite rookies this year, Jacob Chikrin, is down there. Like, that sucks. Yeah, and, like, I had long been a critic of the whole hockey in the desert thing, but to Bettman's credit, you did see the fruits of the labor of putting a team there when Sean Austin Couturier Ma- and well, Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews especially. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Couturier, yeah, was, yeah. Couturier was the son of an NHL player. <laughs> Matthews Whatever. probably never would have played hockey had there not been a team down there, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what the long-term plan of putting teams in markets like Florida Shane Gostas Bear Florida. Like, you know? Well, well, who who is this guy, Austin Matthews? Oh, yeah, like, he's who, nothing. Who even really cares about him? I root for all the warm-weather teams because that's... I love... I love hockey, and I think everyone who's been exposed to it at this point either loves it or doesn't. So the only way to create new fans is actually create new fans. Yeah. So you got to put it in places it isn't. Like as much, yes, a team in Quebec City will be uh, that'll work. But I want to see, I want to see Arizona work. I want to see Vegas work. Like Sa- San Jose, perfect example. Great. I love that team because it hockey doesn't belong there, and it's working, <laughs> and it has worked since. Uh, that that warms my heart. Yeah, but sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah, no, sometimes have, like Atlanta got have, two shots at it and it didn't work, so yeah. they're done. At, at some point, you have to pack it up and say, you yeah. gave it a shot, let's move it to a oh, place yeah. where it's going to do well. I think those Carolina Hurricanes are going to be one of those teams in the Pacific yeah. Northwest, personally. Yeah. Well, maybe. Sorry, Eric. You, uh, <laughs> we, we know people get really upset when you say that. I'm sorry. Really upset. Yeah. Suck it, Carolina. You like, don't, no one goes to your games. Uh, whatever. You lost Rob Brendan Apparently over. they do, though. People go to the Carolina games. No, nah, not really. Not this no. year or last year, but like it hasn't been terrible down there in terms of attendance. Like When they were the, really good, they did fine. With the, the thing about hockey is if you put a winning product on the ice, People you will draw. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the Columbus, Nashville proved that. Columbus, Columbus classic proved, example. Yeah. Like Columbus's numbers, I remember when... When they got started, like their numbers, their tennis numbers, the first four or five years in the league were great. And then the team was just so bad that people stopped caring. This year they're good again. They're selling out games. Like that's a that's a market that the only reason why people weren't showing up is because the, the team was garbage. Penguins, the Pittsburgh Penguins are fifty years old. People only go when they have a generational talent. Like, <laughs> they just happen to get a lot of those, don't they? Yeah, yeah it's just they really weird. Stop. Something weird about that. Weird. But like the Washington Capitals needed a telethon to save their freaking team. Like you know. Hey Steph. Yes. You want? I think it's time to hit that music. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you don't have. A... <laughs> <laughs> she really doesn't know what you're talking about. Yeah. You like the Flyers? No. Really? Do they? No. They can't. They try. Thank you very much for turning on this show. In case you didn't know, it's Broad Street Hockey Radio. Talking about the Flyers, talking about the players, talking about the goals, and when they win the game. Their names are Bill and Kelly and Steph and Charlie. They all love hockey, specifically the Flyers. Let's go the Flyers, the hockey team, the Flyers. Win all of the games. Jesus. And then the Stanley Cup. Uh, 
That's way right. too long. Well, you told me to do the long version. Well, the you song is find, fine. The you, team is trash. You couldn't find the short one, you said. <laughs> you purposefully said you couldn't find no, the short No, I actually version. could not find the short version, William. All right, so before we start yelling about uh, about Perfect. Dave Hackstall. Well, I guess this is kind of this kind of will lead right into it because Travis Konechny found his way back into the lineup and magically found his way right out of it after less than forty minutes of gameplay. My, my poor baby boy. Uh, he's out four to six weeks now with a lower body injury. Yeah, was uh, it knee? We think apparently, according to Tim Pinacho, it's a knee and ankle sprain. Oof! Oof! Both. That sounds both. Bad. Both. Yikes. That sucks. It sounds like he could use Joel and Bede's doctor. Um, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> yeah, but the good news is, think of how much learning he'll get to do in the press box. It's true. So much learning. So much learning. He's going to get to watch so many games. Do we get a picture of Travis Konechny in a walking boot? Because that would be cool. <laughs> That Without would, that, that how will we ever but verify? Just, but we we'll never know. Yeah. But just from his waist up. <laughs> of <course>. just, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if anybody listening can tell. We've kind of lost our minds. Seriously, here. everyone's it's gone just crazy. like putting a show together at this point. Like we were all. I was like, I, I didn't see the St. Louis game until today. I had it DVR and finally caught up today. And I was like, they didn't even play bad. They just can't score at all. Yeah. The first like thirty minutes of that game, they actually played really well. They just, there's no offense whatsoever. The words are abysmal hockey. <laughs> Those are words and, and they Those are they, words. They have been used in the Those past. Are the Those are words that were said to coach Dave Haxtall at the town hall meeting that took oh, place earlier Which we this will week. get to but later. How does later. this, uh, like, how does this injury, I get, he was out of the lineup, so, like, it's in your head that they're already without him, but now it's not even we can complain about it. He's just out four to six weeks, and he's not an option for, like, when things like this are happening. Like, all right, yeah, he's got defensive deficiencies, but he's, like, their best five-on-five points producer, no, so. No, th- this, this hurts. Yeah. This hurts a lot, and you mentioned that you thought that the Flyers looked really good in the first 30 minutes of that game. Well, the first 30 minutes of that game was when Travis Konecki played. And I'm not saying he was the only reason why they kind of teetered, like, you know, petered off at the end of the game, but it was one of the reasons. He was probably the most electric player on the ice, unsurprisingly, since another guy on the back end is still not playing. But hmm. in any case, losing him hurts. He's the best, he's been the most efficient 5 on 5 scorer this year. He's driven play to a degree, not like an, to an incredible degree, but he has been a negative puck possession player. And the Flyers are more efficient offensively in terms of shot creation with him on the ice than with any other player. Like, he is a really good offensive producer, and they can't produce offense. So, yeah, this is, this is bad. Hmm. <laughs> like, I, I, Hashtag not good. <laughs> no, I'm not saying they can't overcome it, but... He, first off, he never should have been out of the lineup in the first place. Secondly, well, yeah. like now that he is out of the lineup, now they're going to have to use Dale Weiss probably <sighs> for the foreseeable future. Well, yes, the that's good news the best that, choice. Well, Matt Reed will come back, which is good Thank because Matt, was, okay. Matt Reed Matt Reed should never have been scratched. Yep. Michael Roffle should never have been scratched. Yep. Travis Konechny should never have been scratched. And yep. Shane Gossesbury should never have been scratched. All right. Yep. So you brought up the Matt Reed, Dale Weiss thing. I wanted to get to this later, but I have to say it now. I, I put the I put the YouTube link of that Jeff Carter game winner uh, against the Kings uh, in the three-on-three overtime. And uh, the fact that Dale Weiss was kept in the lineup after Anzi Kopitar embarrassed him, manhandled him like 
Eric Lindros would manhandle a small child in a men's league game, and he was—he's kept in the lineup for for what reason? Uh, this is the most maddening thing in the world about Dave Haxtall is these these arbitrary standards that he puts on players who are actually good, and then when okay, you're one of your freaking golden cows here, uh, Dale Weiss gets absolutely disgraced. Should have been outright released after that freaking <laughs> Kopitar. I've never seen anything like it. Kopitar basically stiff armed him. Like like the freaking Heisman trophy. Yeah, that's exactly the, the pose that Bill is The entire right way the around the ice and circled around, got free, and found Carter, and they won the game. I, I've never seen anything like it. He stays in the lineup. Matt Reed comes out. Matt Reed comes out. Look, look, I'm I'm with you. I will say that to me, the the frustrating part about that play wasn't that Dale Weiss got destroyed, which he undoubtedly did. Kopitar is way better than the, Weiss. The frustrating part about the play is why is Dale Weiss on the ice? Number one, why is he on the ice at all Shouldn't in three on three overtime? Like- Secondly, why is he on the ice against Kopitar and Carter? Like this is a disgrace. <laughs> why? It's yeah, I just Jen, watched it. He was going to get killed. Oh, he was going to get killed. He's nowhere near their talent level. You're the home team. You have Shen, Weiss, and Manning out against. Kopitar, Carter, and Dowdy. Oh man, you lost. I can't freaking believe it. <laughs> like part of me actually Thank God it ended after one. They could have scored eight. They could have <laughs> scored eight on that shift if it wasn't overtime. Yeah. <laughs> like if I had any motivation in this life, I would go back and look at like one I goal feel bad games. for Braden Shen on that. Yeah, like one goal games or tie games to see who Hackstall puts out in the last two minutes. I love when games. I love when Belmar and Van Veldy are out when they're down one. In my mind, it's always dog shit. <laughs> Every game, it's like you have players who can probably score a goal, and in the final two minutes of like a one goal deficit game, you're putting out Belmar. And it's like, what? What, what are you? What are you doing? They're playing not to lose. How about we short? They're already them? losing. But they're, <laughs> like, like, they're already losing. Like, why don't we? They were so happy to get that one point against. That the is Kings. just an alternative fact, guys. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, all right. What are we? Ta- are we? Are we talking about Dale Weiss? Because that's a that's a signing that. Um, our, our GM, our current GM, Hextall, made, which I don't agree with. I didn't agree with at the time, and I still don't agree with now, almost a full year in. It was one of those things, just like, why, no matter what you think of Dale Weiss, you definitely think he's a bottom six forward, right? Like, there's yeah. never been a person who's like, you know, who could probably play second line minutes. Like, that's not who he is. Maybe his mom. Yeah, maybe. Maybe not. Maybe. But... You give a bottom six forward four years. Wasn't he on the top line for a game or two? Uh, probably briefly. Mm. Like, did we even need to sign him at all? No, 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 no. Yeah, we didn't need him at all. Definitely not for four years. No, definitely not for four years. But not even for one. Nope. My problem with the way they're using Weiss this year is, like, is he overpaid? Yes. I mean, he is, and and he's definitely has too many years in his contract. But like, you signed under the contract, okay? You got the contract now play him in the way that's going to best suit his talent and like to me he's not a guy who I really want out of the lineup but I think he's a fourth line winger he would be mm-hmm. a perfectly fine fourth line winger and overpaid fourth line winger sure but if yeah. you used him in the same way they used Ryan White last year it would I'm, be fine I'm cool with that yep but of course you can't do that because like you know Chris Vandevelde has to be in the lineup. Well, that and they're, they're not recognizing what Lubby brings to the table and keeping him on the fourth line. Well, I mean, he's there. Like he's, he's at least there. Yeah, he's but, at least on the ice. But, but I agree with you. If they were going to move Weiss down to the fourth line, they'd probably bench Lubby. And that's insane. But 
this is what we're dealing with. Like we, when Weiss is in the lineup, he has to be in one of the top three lines because apparently he can't be on the fourth line because the fourth line is perfect the way it is. Like that, that's that's the frustrating part to me because yeah. if Dale Ooh. Weiss, is, if Dale Weiss is, is your fourth line right or fourth line left winger, I'm cool with that. Yes. Like, yeah, the contract is annoying, but you can deal with that. This it's just, it's line, annoying. It's not crippling. It's just annoying. It's just yeah. annoying. This fourth line is currently constituted. Switch in Weiss for Van Develde. I'm cool with it. Yeah, that's fine. a that's a fourth line and what is the NHL at the very moment. Maybe not what it's going to be by the time this contract ends, but this is still what most teams do with their fourth yeah. line. But for some reason, we have a coach who's decided to take a fourth line and build a team around it. <laughs> it's the only untouchable line. It makes absolutely zero sense. It's I, I, infuriating. And, Life is good, and I'm but when happy you start, when we start looking at these, some of these, some of these responses. That Dave Haxtall gave in this season ticket holder. Oh boy! Man, people were mad about these. Yeah, and it's it's almost it's almost comical that it came up now. Yeah, like in the, the like in the midst of the ghost benching, right after the Konechny benching ends, and two straight games where they didn't score a goal. Perfect timing. Like I'm like. I love that they do it, and I love that they're not afraid to do it, and the coach and the GM and everyone sit there and will talk to the season ticket holders. It's just one of those things that's very it's very Ed Snyder. Like this mm-hmm. is we are all a community here. You are our customers, you are our fans, you are part you are of our the Flyers. You are yeah. part of the Flyers family. We will be accountable to you in some ways. So they get to go out and talk. And then they talk. <laughs> and, and then it happens. And you're like, Jesus Christ, I wish I didn't know what this guy thinks. I wish I could stick with the conspiracy theories in my head mm-hmm. that they're like, oh, they're just, they're just, I don't know, showcasing Andrew McDonald. They're trying nope. to, they're trying to trick somebody into trading for him. Nope. Yeah, there's no, there's no more flowers and rainbows and, and no. dream worlds. Like they just went out and yeah. confirmed it. Like Charlie's been telling us for months yeah. now. He actually thinks he's a great NHL defenseman, and that's why he's playing him fucking thirty minutes a game. He, the thing that stuck out to me is I, I read somebody's like rundown of it, and it talked about moving, uh, moving Ghost away from McDonald and putting Provorov there, and using that as the top pair. And the belief was that it was always the top pair. Andrew McDonald is the top pair defenseman yeah. that you move somebody onto, yeah. and Ghost was playing poorly, so they right. put Provorov on the top pairing. Ghost that was Pro- the anchor. Not, like, that, Pro- the not anchor. that Provorov makes it the top pairing, because he's by far the best player on the freaking team. <laughs> nope. It's that Andrew McDonald is your top defenseman, and the guy you put with him makes it the top pair. Yeah. When you hear that, it makes me want to die. I just can't comprehend it. Like, I don't doubt that Dave Haxtell has watched and been a part of more hockey than I could ever dream of. But that thought process is incredibly just insane to me. I, how? How does he think this, Charlie? Help us, Charlie. We don't know. <laughs> Somebody answer for him. Me. We don't know. We really don't. I, <laughs> I, I did not hear that about the, the idea that, like, McDonald is the first pair guy. Whoever's with him is also the first pair guy. That that is, if that's true, that's that's totally insane. I read that's something absolutely insane. I read something that suggested that an answer that he gave was to the effect that Ghost wasn't performing on that top. Pair. Ghost was the problem. Yeah. Ghost was the problem on that top pairing, and that's why he had to come off and Prover had to go on. Not that Amac was driving down Ghost's game. Oh no no no. Ghost was bringing down Andrew McDonald. See, I don't know how much I even buy that that's, like, 
I can buy that he said that. I don't buy that he meant it just because McDonald got scratched in mid-November because yeah. he was playing that poorly. Like so at at some level they knew that he was playing bad and they they showed that by removing him from the lineup for like four or five games. So I don't know. I you, I, I, I do think they like McDonald. I don't think they they can't think he's a top pair defenseman, right? You've well, been asking this yep. question. You've been asking this question on Twitter this week, Charlie, uh, somewhat rhetorically. But how, after determining that he didn't belong here last season and needed to be in the AHL for the same cap savings you would have had for everyone else, just the nine hundred and fifty k. It's not like that five mil all came off the cap and you just needed it for the cap room. You could have sent. Anyone down there for the same 950k savings that you had with McDonald, and you determined McDonald had to be the one to go. What has happened since training camp 2015 and now that has shown, yes, Andrew McDonald not only is an NHL defenseman, he needs to play 20 minutes a night. Yeah. Well, I, I don't what have has an, happened? I don't have an answer to that question. I'm going to divert for a second. <laughs> Um, because we watched, there, there was some video posted that we watched this afternoon. Um, and throw Corsi out the window. Was that part of the video? No, it wasn't that session. You know, it was a different session. Um, but (laughs) I love that somebody went in with stats and threw him at the coach. That's freaking (laughs) awesome. It is wonderful. Um, so fans did well. Props to you on nameless individuals. I hope you listen to the show. (laughs) I hope you listen to the show and make yourself known. Like, please tell us and we'll have you on next week. Um, so Dave Haxtall did mention how Andrew McDonald was in the AHL last year, but he mentioned it in a way that was like, well, you don't think that was hard on him yeah we're talking about how ghost is sitting like it was harder for Andrew McDonald to be in the AHL than it is for ghost to be sitting in the press box so shut up about ghost being in the press box when Andrew McDonald had to go through this whole thing that was not what he said and that was not the tone that he took but it was no well, he kind of did though because he was like you guys have short memories Andrew McDonald yeah. in the AHL last year what's your problem right but but yeah and and it was like yeah. Very because he sucks. He yeah, belonged that, there. That raises the obvious question: like he was in the AHL. He was he was so in why, the AHL. Why is he for just, a reason? Why is his status been raised so much? And then? when when the injury to Strite happened, they did not bring back Andrew McDonald. They brought up Shane Gossespierre, and there was nothing that Shane Gossespierre did in the time that he was here that made them send him back. There was nothing that anybody else did on the team except for was it when Delzato went down that no, had that them. That was when they called. They McDonald's. had to call McDonald up, McDonald up because there was nobody else. Yeah, um, it, I don't know. Like, what can you even say at this point about the McDonald situation? Aside from to, to me that like Bill, you mentioned the what changed from last year to this year. My my thing, and this to me is an even more fascinating <laughs> question, is I don't understand what changed that one year where they soured on him. Like, when he got the contract, they paid him like a second-pair defenseman. His first year in with the Flyers, they played him like a second-pair defenseman. This year, they're playing him like a second-pair defenseman. Like, there was one year, one one year leading into training camp, where they kind of agreed with us. Where they maybe they didn't think he was truly an AHL defenseman, but they at least thought, okay, he's a third pair guy who is not any better than Shen or Manning. And because there's no chance we're going to lose him to waivers, but there's a chance we might lose these two guys, let's send him down instead. That was, I, like, I guess, that the only explanation for sending him down over one of those guys yeah. is that their contracts no were gonna... not prohibitive. A team would have picked them up if somebody, no matter what you think of Andrew McDonald, 
if somebody had picked him up, you would have gone, ha, that headache's away, just in terms of contract. You go, okay, no no one's going to do it, and if they do, we just cleared 30 mil off the Yeah, because like, I, I had a conversation with uh, with Dave Isaac on Twitter yesterday, and he basically said, well, Hextall said on numerous occasions that the only reason why they sent him down that time was, was for cap reasons because they knew he wouldn't be claimed. Well, there's a couple issues with that. Number one, the Flyers constantly had cap issues like two, three years ago when like Braden Coburn was your second pair of defense. They had cap issues they, when they gave him the damn contract. Well, 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 my point is that they never once considered sending down Braden Coburn. You know why? Yeah. Because they viewed Braden Coburn as a second pair of defenseman, and you don't send down a guy who you view as a second pair of defenseman. Yeah. Clearly, when they sent down Andrew McDonald, they didn't view him as a second pair of defenseman because you don't fucking send down second pair of defenseman. Effective top four defensemen don't get sent down. Exactly. They're like gold in this league. Exactly. Like, <laughs> the, the, the freaking Oilers traded. Traded Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. <laughs> and we're sitting here like... Well, let's not use, you know, Shirelli deals as... I'm just know, like, we're sitting yeah. here like... Good point. Like, we're... Uh, it's just mind-boggling yeah. that, that this stuff is the way it is. But my I, point my point is, is like, every year the Flyers have seemingly viewed him as a second-pair defenseman, except that one year. And it's like, yeah, what, what changed? What in that brief window made them think, hey, this guy maybe isn't that good? And then a year later, go right back to where they thought before, like, hey, actually, this guy's good. I don't know. Because I didn't see him play any better or worse in that first year in the contract than he has at any other time as a Flyer. He's just looking at the same Andrew McDonald. He wasn't, like, dramatically worse. His stats were not dramatically worse that year. He was just AMAC. He just is was what he was. And then there was that little period where they were like, eh, he's actually not that good. And then immediately when he comes back up, plays with Ghost at the end of last year, and then this year it's like, oh, no, he's top four defenseman again. I don't, I don't understand what changed in that little window. I don't get it. Hmm. <laughs> it's 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 hmm. it, it's beyond explanation at this point. There's no yeah. That's the thing. This town hall meeting has kind of just made everything even more confusing. Yeah, yeah. That's that. I, it's I, made it worse. I was happy they do this kind of thing, and then they spoke, and I said, "Jesus, I wish I didn't know what I know now." Well, like it's like I wish I didn't know how the freaking hot dog got made. Like, and <laughs> like there is there is the point to be made. We didn't learn anything new. Like, they didn't tell us anything we didn't already know, but what they did do was just kind of confirm the theories that we've been throwing around that do make the most sense. The did ones- anyone just like ask what's your, what's your problem with Ghost? Like, I what wish. is your actual issue with what he's doing? Well, wrong? I think someone did. Someone did say, like, some. I think he said something like he's got some things to learn, and then someone said like, and he was like, "I'm not going to get into specific yeah. yes, things." Yes, that's exactly what this. happened. Yep. So I, I, I think it, gonna... I think at one point he sp- he said specifically his play without the puck in the defensive zone, which again. That's not unfair. Like, he can get better there. Sure, certainly. But he's not going to get better in the press box. Agreed. And absolute genius who I love, Elliot Friedman, made the comparison that I've been making for a while now with P.K. Subban. This is what Montreal did to P.K. Subban. Mm -hmm. And it... I mean, it and led- look at what ha- and just look at what happened. I yeah, mean, I mean, it, like, we're going down the same road with this kid, and it's like, why if you and you're have not getting this. Shea Weber Shea Weber back for Ghost after you bench him? Yeah. No, like, and we're not Montreal. Montreal yeah. can afford to make that trade because they're a pretty good team and they have Carey Price. So Shea Weber for PK Subban isn't a huge total loss for them. But like this team, no matter what they get back for Ghost, doesn't replace that competitive advantage unless yeah, I mean, it's Matt the- Duchesne. We'll have like- sorry. Go ahead. No, so there there are differences between Philadelphia and Montreal, other than the ones that you just mentioned. Um, so 
one of them, I think, is Ron Hextall. And I think that Ron Hextall knows what he has in Shane Gossespierre. And I don't think that he will go the same route as they did in Montreal and choose coach over player. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I obviously, I don't know for certain, but that's what happened in Montreal. I don't see Ron Hextall even letting it get to that point. Yeah. And I don't, I, I, I took the Friedman. Uh, thought, I guess, is what it is. One of the yeah. thoughts, like I, I, I took it less as like Ghost is going to get traded, and more that this is just another example of the coaching staff and a player butting heads over how to play the game. Yep. Right, because that's the thing. Like, there are defensive defensemen. Ghost is not a defensive defenseman. He's not going. Yeah, he's to be, never going to be good in his own end. Never going to be a solid guy that just hangs back and plays perfect defense that's not his game and that's, and if you try to force him into that mold you might as well trade him yeah because you're gonna ruin him because so i want him to point? score 20 goals i don't yeah. i don't really yeah. care he's like, brent burns he's eric carlson tighten up he's, in the neut- he's not tighten up in the neutral zone get your turnovers and get play going the other way you're not he he's like 160 pounds he's not gonna be effective in his own zone just no. not happening i have i've got two points to make okay so the first is one that we kind of touched on on yelling about sports. Actually, we did talk about it on yelling. We about talked sports. about hockey on yelling for like forty minutes. It, it was it was a very hockey we barely even episode. talked about the Super Bowl. We, <laughs> talk, we talked about the Super Bowl. We talked about Lady Gaga. We talked a lot about hockey. That was the best part. Um, <laughs> so Yo, Lady Gaga is fat now. Did you know that? I can't even with that. Don't get me started. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to Could you light you on fire. Yeah, <laughs> there's nothing fat about Lady Gaga. I, I know it's a joke. It's not funny. Um, so. The words defensive liability are used with Shane Goss's bear, and it absolutely infuriates me. Yeah. So, well, he he might be, but there there's two things. So the first is it's only because he's so good on offense that he's given this label. So in the world of sports narratives, being extra good at thing one highlights your deficiencies on thing two. Like, that's, that's just fair. It's a yeah. thing that happens. Yeah, a scoring defenseman, everyone first is going to go, yeah, but he's no good in front of his net. Which is what, no, yeah. which has happened to Eric Carlson through his entire career. Right. And it's happened to Alex Ovechkin. Yeah, that kind of narrative cost Carlson a freaking uh, Norris this yeah, last season, right. even though he led the league in freaking assists. Like, as if as if any of those players, like, like let's just say, Carlson and Ovechkin are worse defensively than, let's say, the Andrew McDonald's of the world, which <laughs> they are My not. Thing- oh, but for some reason, the, the the sports narrative community implicitly thinks that it's worse to be a one-dimensional player than it is to be a zero-dimensional player. And that's what we're seeing here. I, Shane Goss' bear yeah. is worse for having one dimension, which is offense, than zero, which is Andrew McDonald. And the thing is, if you had a solid defensive defenseman that you could play with Ghost, you wouldn't notice so much that he was such a defensive liability. Yeah, like, but it's not his fault that the rest of our defense is a tire fire. It's right. not his fault that Sam Moran isn't here yet. Because that's always been the right. thing. That's always right. been the thing since the minute we had those two together in the Phantoms, and then, of course, Ghost got hurt, and then, of course, he came up. But the idea was always, all right, we're going to have Moran, who just beats the crap out of people in front of the net, and then we're going to have Ghost flying by everybody. It's not his fault that we don't have any of those guys. And the second point that I was going to make is, we. this was a specific question I asked, and I asked Charlie in the car on the way here as well. If you had to name 
players on this team that you believe are defensively sound, can you get to two hands worth of players? No. 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 I can't get to one. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't the, think the, I can get to one. We the, did, th- we did yeah, three. The, the three guys I said that were definites were Couturier, Roffel, and Reed. And, yeah. and, and, and to me, those were the only three where I can say unequivocally they are defensively sound that I could trust them. Proveroff is almost there, but he's 20 years old. Like, he's right. going to screw up sometimes. Gudis, sort of. But, I mean, he gets out of position sometimes because he's aggressive, and that's just... We talked about Gudis, and it's like... Uh, yeah, the aggression and the out of position. Gudis. But, like, you would think he'd be better in his own end, right? He's not yeah. that good in his own end. He's, no. he's passable, and he's better than yeah. most of the defense. Sure. But he's not like a, mean, he's not a yeah. lockdown guy. Yeah, no. No, so, um, so the names that I also kind of threw out were Jake Voracek and Claude Giroux. But even then, they're just like... Not this year. Mm-mm. Kind of. Like, all right, I guess. Like, you're okay defensively. So really, outside of those three players plus half of another three, everybody else is defensive liability. So why is this getting pinned on Shane Goss' bear? Because he's, he's young and because he's flashy. I mean, that, And that, because he has the other dimension. And, and because of some bad luck. Like, that. that's another thing that, I, and Steph and I were talking about this before the show, about the Friedman comment, about the, the P.K. Subban thing. And the way I read that was that you have – You have one side, you have the coaching staff saying, you need to change. You need to change. Look at your results. Look at how you've been playing. It's been so bad. And then you have Goss's Bear basically saying like, okay, yeah, I've made some mistakes, but I honestly think what I'm doing isn't bad. I think that overall, if I play this style over the long term, I'm going to get better results. I don't need to make any major changes. And I can see the coaching staff thinking, man, there's this hard-headed kid who just won't take our advice. I get that. The thing is, though, if if you look at the numbers, like, the numbers say that Ghost is right. Like, the there numbers, are little things. The yeah. things I would change about Gossip Bear's game are like, yo, man, take a wrist shot every now and then. Yo, you know how last year you're a little bit more mobile along the blue line? And I don't know, like the way Proverov protects the puck and yeah. changes the shooting lane. I would like to see Gossip Bear do a little more of that. And it gets to the thing I wanted to ask. Tim Panaccio on uh, Philly Sports Talk on Monday brought up how uh, Gossip Bear and Giroux each had the same surgery in, in the offseason, that hip abdominal surgery. And conventional wisdom is it takes tw- a full 12 months to recover. And they were both on the ice within four. And it's just like, if there's one thing I can tell you I've noticed about Gossip Bear more than anything this year, explosion. That's it doesn't true. appear to be there. They're yeah. just like loose 50-50 pucks that I'm like, oh, he's won this race three times over. And he loses. And I go... Oh, really? Because he's like the fastest player on the team. You know, it's it's interesting about Ghost with that because like I noticed this last year. And I'm I'm a big Gossip Bear fan. I've been a fan of his since he was at Union. I love watching him play. But I even noticed it last year. Like there would be times where there would be like the puck would get dumped into the zone and Ghost would have a stride on, on the oncoming four. And I think, oh, he's going to get to this puck easy. And he'd get beat out for it. This was last year. This is before the injury. And I just I, I I almost and I don't even like I don't even want to criticize him for it, but I do think he's one of those guys where he just does get that extra like like get up and go when he has the puck on his stick mm-hmm. rather than when he doesn't. And maybe that's something he needs to work on. I don't maybe he's been a little slower this year, maybe. I don't think he's looked dramatically slower. Giroux has looked slow at mm-hmm. times. But the thing is is that he's I don't slow Yeah, like at like I don't know if and, and and this again, this hurts me to say, but like I don't know if 
we can keep making excuses. The Giroux thing is what it is at being this point. Slower, like yeah. Yeah. I just think this may be a case of like the Giroux from four years ago isn't coming back. No, like, like, like look, I would love it if next year he shows up and he's fast again. That would be great. I just like we got to recognize that he's in his late twenties and like that. 23, 24 year old Claude Giroux, like, there's a good chance he's just not coming back. We move a little That's, slower in our late 20s. But it's, it's, it's not it's saying these can't still happens. be good, but like he's not going but, to be that guy, and you can't just keep pinning it on, oh, well, he was hurt last year. Yeah. Oh, well, he's recovering from surgery. This is like, well, maybe this is just the new normal, guys. I want to circle back now to what we were just saying about Ghost, and it's that what the coach is telling him and how it may butt heads with just who he is as a player. And I bring this up all the time, but it's one of the things that just stuck out so much to me, and I believe Bobby Orr is the greatest hockey player who ever lived. I think he had more effect on games than anybody ever. And in his book, he said, I don't know, I guess I just got lucky. I never ran into a coach who told me, stop doing what you do. Because, sure, I turned the puck over all the time. I was skating end-to-end. Like it's Of course I turned it over sometimes. Uh, I'm not immune to that, but no one ever told me, stop being creative, stop taking chances. And I look at this conservative approach now and whatever they might be telling Ghost, and I look at the way this team's playing with Konechny and Ghost out of the lineup, and nobody takes any freaking... They had 17 shots in a 62-and-a-half-minute game against the Kings. Uh, that's hard to do. Yeah, that's... That is literally hard to do. Uh, what is the... What is the virtue in playing the way they're playing at this point? And, like, do they expect to win this way? Uh, no. Because they're why, not. Which is why I haven't been watching them. Because if they're not interested <laughs> in winning, then I'm not interested in tuning in. I, I, I think this is probably just them trying something new because those two games the the montreal game which they won and then the la game which they lost like they were not good hockey games to watch even though they won the montreal game like that was not a fun hockey game to watch they got the win and in the end that's all you're trying to do i mean the devils did it for what devils got three cups 20 years doing that being winning games that you really didn't enjoy watching but they won them and they won cups so who gave a shit but those two games were ugly those two games were also kind of anomalies in that, like, the Flyers don't usually play like that. I almost wonder if it was just Haxall being like, well, I wonder if we can win with this style. The other style really isn't working that well. Let's try this. They tried it for one game. It worked. They were like, all right, well, let's just we'll try it again. And they tried it for a second game. It didn't work. And then against St. Louis, they, they opened things back up again to a degree. Uh, and uh, I, they didn't score, but yeah. that was more just because they couldn't finish and Carter Hutton somehow looked good. Yeah, what? Like, How does that happen? Like, they they run into the Blues, who are getting the worst goaltending in the league, worse than the freaking Flyers. And, of course, they get shut out. <laughs> like, their coach got fired because they're getting the worst goaltending in the league. Their coach and they was going to get, gonna get fired out. anyway. They already had their coach for the next year, and it oh, was yeah, not sure. him. But... but but Shane, so I'm, I'm going way back because you changed topics too quickly for me. Um, so Panach actually had an article out today and it wasn't hot garbage. Um, so <laughs> there were... That's Charlie's BFF. Well, there were a lot of there were a lot of quotes from Shane in this article. So he said that it's not the injury holding him back and he would say if it was, or the surgery. Like He he would said that he would say that it was. Yeah, and, there and were Claude Giroux said had. last year he's not hurt and then he got well, a surgery. Well, so. this is not... This is not Claude Giroux. That's just so, how hockey players are. So the quotes from him, 
uh, from Shane Goss's bear. I never take it personally. I look at it as my coaches are doing what's best for me as a young player. I mean, all of the stuff that he's supposed to say. I'm turning 24 in April, but I still look at myself as a young guy, my second year in the league. I know what my coaches are doing, and they wouldn't do this to punish me. They're doing what's best for me, for the team, and in the future. Some coaches don't even give a shit about you. That's the big thing. I look at it as they're doing what's best for me. They're teaching me a lot right now. I respect them for that. I don't think that the Flyers are doing this to punish Ghost. I really don't. Like I, I, I do agree that I that this is coming from not like Haxtell hates Ghost. I think this is coming from a place of we want Ghost to be a better player. My issue is that I don't think it's actually going to make him a better player. Yeah, and that's go- my issue yeah. too. And 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 going back to the 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 Friedman point, like let's say they go to Ghost and they tell Ghost. All right, you're not scoring enough points at five on five. So what you got to do is you got to change your shot. You got to you got to do this. You got to do that, and that'll help us score more. And Ghost is sitting there thinking to himself, like, this is kind of bullshit. I'm taking a ton of shots. Yeah, they're not going in, but like, if I keep doing it, they're probably going to start going in. And the coaching staff takes that, and they're like, he's a hard-headed kid. I look at that and I say the Flyers have scored on like four and a half percent of their shots with Ghost on the ice. There's no way that's sustainable. Yeah. Probably if Ghost keeps doing exactly what he's doing, the puck's going to start going in more. Especially when they're scoring on like three times that with Nick Schultz, with Nick on, Schultz the on the ice. <laughs> and so, like, he, and, and that, that's where you worry about them changing his process because the results aren't there, even though the result, the bad results currently are unsustainable. That's what worries me. And he did mention that one of the things that he's specifically watching for during the benching is how other left-handed defensemen play the right side. Because he's been playing the left side his entire career up until last that's year. That's an interesting... It's an issue. That That's something that, that Bill Meltzer mentioned a week ago, and he was basically like, you know, what I would do to try to get him out of this funk is put him back on the left side. Yeah. So and, and, and that's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. So he's saying, you know, as a lefty, you have to come across your body more and turn towards the opposite wall from the right point to take a pass on your forehand. And... Accepting it's, it's a not pass, natural for him. Accepting a pass and keeping the puck in are a lot harder on the right oh, side. Yeah, 100%. I happen to believe shooting is a lot easier from the right side, but everything leading up to that is much more difficult. And as a guy who's always played the left side, of course there's an adjustment period. He just happens to be the most skilled guy on the blue line, so they ask him to do it because... I, 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 you know, I don't want Brandon Manning playing his off wing or his offside. Like, that, that's, I, don't I don't want Brandon Manning playing. Well, no, but he is because there's nobody else. That, so that, that's, that's the way another, things are. Another fascinating thing about the whole you know lefty righty defenseman thing, bringing us full circle back to Andrew McDonald. Like we already know that Andrew McDonald is not a particularly good defenseman. <clears throat> certainly not a good play. True? Certainly not a good play driving defenseman. They have him playing on his offside, yep. which is insane to me. Like, you're already taking a guy who can't drive play, and then you're putting him at an even more of a disadvantage by having him play on his wrong side. That, to me, is is one of the underrated insane parts of the Proverov McDonald. But game. you know what? He's not. He's backing up. He's true, not. He's true. not keeping the puck in anyway, so it doesn't matter. True. He's at the red line when the other uh, when the team still has the puck. Like so. All right, but uh, <laughs> I want to get back to uh, this conservative approach thing because this team cannot score, especially playing the way they're playing. No. Like, they couldn't score before. Last nine games, they're averaging 1.33 goals a game. They've scored three goals only two times in those nine games. Only once have they reached three in regulation. That's awful. Is this good? <laughs> this is where you get the, this is where you get the complaints of they're not watchable. This yeah. is where you legitimately get those complaints. They've been shut out three times in nine games, held under two goals five times. 
You're, you you can't win. Yeah, it's bad. You can't win scoring freaking one goal a game. And that's that's my favorite part of how much we focus on the goalies in this town. It's like why I don't want to hear a word about Steve Mason or Michael Neuver uh, when we're scoring one goal a game. Calendar, don't talk to me about a goal. Calendar year 2017, 30 goals in 16 games. Quick math, that's under two a game. That's not good. You can't possibly win that way. Uh, I just this sounds bad. I'm just so frustrated with this team. And when I look at this, this stuff, this sounds like abysmal like there's, hockey. There's absolutely nothing a coach can do if you're scoring one goal a game. So I want to know: Are we blaming the coach too much? Because where are Giroux and Voracek? Where's Wayne Simmons? You know, being I, poorly coached. Wayne Simmons is my favorite flyer, maybe ever at this point. I love him more than Lindros. I love him more than Tiemann. He's my favorite flyer ever at this point. He started the season on fire: sixteen goals, twenty-nine points in thirty-two games. Since then, five goals, nine points in twenty-two games. What are you gonna do? The, the coach. What are you gonna do is, when your is, all-star is not giving you anything? Am I? I'm allowed to talk now. If you want, yeah, I'm done making no, my point. No, I don't want to anymore. I'm done making my point. The coach is is preaching a defensive style. The coach is preaching being conservative. None of these players are going to thrive. None of these players are defensive except for three of them, and they're not being used in the best way either. And they're also not going to score goals. Like that, it's just they're being poorly coached. I'm done shitting on Dave Hextall. I'm now looking at Ron Hextall. Like do something, anything. And that brings me to what do we expect him to do? Because March first is the trade deadline, if I'm not mistaken. We're well, running out. We're I running. Even, I don't even need a trade. Just like send someone down, or or just take some of these shitty options away from your shitty coach. I mean, he should he should be taking calls, in my opinion. We should be selling at the deadline. Everyone, yeah, <laughs> take all the calls. <laughs> if if the deals are good, like I'm not sure at this point who on this team is untouchable. I mean, I don't Shane really Goss's pair, Ivan Provorov. Well, yeah, those... Okay, yeah. Travis those two. Me. Anybody under the age of 25, I would say, is untouchable. Sean Couturier. But other than that... I'd give up on Couturier in a second. If the return was good enough, I wouldn't... He's I a third-line center. He's never going to produce point. points. If he hasn't to this point, he's never going to. I don't know if I agree with that. What's he? At what point does he magically start scoring? He never has in his career. I mean, if he goes back to his pace last year, where he was pacing to be a 50-point player, <clears throat> that's a second-line center in the NHL. But that's the anomaly at this point. He's never... That's the only year. Once, he's done something one time, and he's done well below that every other year. Couturier is what he is. He's a really nice shutdown center who probably doesn't have the wheels to be a consistent second-line center. He's got six assists. Like He started the year with Voracek and Konechny. He's got six assists. That's hard to do. I don't know. The whole team sucks. I don't, I don't know what you want me to say. Like, the whole team sucks. I, I, you have you have the entire team, the entire team slumping at the same time. This is more than just a player problem. Yeah, this, this like you can, pretty much Every tire single player is slumping at the same time. Yes, it's, it's cyclical. You've got ups and downs in a season, but this is a bigger problem. But the guys I'm looking at, Giroux, Voracek, Simmons, Shen, Couturier, Mason, they're all having down years. And this is the core. These are the guys who have been here. 
is it a coach problem when it's your veterans? It's it's like, a co- your, it's it's, the, it's do, what does he's your coach control them. what your veterans do on the ice that much? Like, is is it stopping no. Voracek and Giroux from going out and being the eight plus million dollar players that they are supposed to be? I mean, it's a cop out, but it's a little bit of both. Like, sure, yeah, yeah. like the players, the you want to see more production from the veterans, absolutely, especially a five on five, because I don't. I don't really think you can criticize the power play too much, even though it's kind of in vogue right now because they're in a little bit of a slump. But they'll, they'll turn around. They I take, wonder why they take they take too many shots <laughs> not to start scoring at some point. I'm not concerned about the power play. Five on five, yeah. They they every single player, every single one of the core forwards is having a bad five on five year. Is that partially on the forwards? Sure, it's partially on the forwards. And it, yeah, it's there's legitimate reason to be concerned that guys like Drew and even Voracek, maybe to a degree, may be starting to trend downwards, and that's a worry, legitimate worry. But at the same time, when you don't have any players remotely close to scoring more than two points per per 60 at five on five, you have to start thinking this is a systems issue because the chances of, as Steph implied, the chances of every single player on the team having a down year scoring wise, every single forward specifically having a down year scoring wise at the same time, seems kind of unlikely that that would happen all at the same time with nothing else causing it. Hmm. Right, and if nothing else, your coach's job is to get the best out of the players that you have, and he's absolutely not doing that. This was supposed to be Jake Voracek's bounce-back year? Where's he been? Well, I mean, if you look at his his overall scoring, it's definitely been a bounce-back year. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah, sure. But he's got 45 points. He's all right. He's well under a point a game. Not well under. 45 points in 54 games. That's not well under. That's well under. It's not well under. He's, he's probably going to be on. He's probably on pace for a little over sixty points, which I mean, for hit like in which all isn't honesty, good enough. Well, it's fine. It's not like amazing, but yeah, not for the amount of cap space he's taking up. Eh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Talk, about I mean, that. talk about cap space. Go go look at Andrew McDonald. I mean, this is the, the, the team sucks. But I don't want to. I don't want to compare good players to bad players. Like when that's when okay, Jake Voracek, good player. Andrew McDonald, bad player. If I have to do that, I want to get rid of everyone and start all over. Well, then you're being insane you want to get rid of the coach <laughs> i do i very much want to get rid of the coach and then see what happens i, I will say will uh charlie i love this question that you posed here what would change your opinion of the coach is there anything he could do at this point to make you think he's the guy for this team no, like like what I, i'm just kind of curious like concrete like because we can say that we're frustrated with dave hacks we can say we're frustrated with the flyers and we don't enjoy watching the play. We don't enjoy, you know, we're not excited about the team anymore. But like, so what would make us excited about the team? Is it just if they start winning games, if they go on like a four game winning streak? Like, do we need to see them win in a certain way? Do we need to see them win with certain players? Like, what what turns this around from a a fan mentality standpoint? Because as we saw in the town hall meetings, fans are pissed off. Yeah. So like, is it just as simple as winning, or do? A lot of things have to happen before people start getting excited about this team again. I don't think that they're going to start winning until a lot of other things happen. I don't want them to. It's not just like, oh, if you put Ghost back in the lineup, I'm going to be super happy and Mm -mm. thrilled to watch a hockey game. It's it's but it's like like we've been saying for a long time, each of his decisions individually, when you look at it, is not that horrible. But when you add these up over the course of the entire season and then you hear him say out loud that Andrew McDonald is a top three defenseman in this league, when you hear him say that Shane Gostisbehere, you know what I'm saying, has a lot of problems with his game, you start to think, 
this guy isn't seeing what we're seeing. So either we're all crazy and really stupid and he's the smartest guy alive or he's just not a good NHL hockey coach. And at some point we have to start thinking that's the reality. Remember someone, was it John Barcher that compared him to a, called him a nicer Chip Kelly? I think he did. Um, after last night's town hall, I want to take away the nicer part. Yeah, he kind of seemed like a dick, didn't he? This is a guy who a got suspended like in the NCAA for giving the ref the finger, which I, I love. Like That's awesome. <laughs> I appreciate I wish that. he was that guy in the NHL. I'd like him a little more. And that's the thing. like As much as we trust Ron Hextall, he's he also not doing anything. took this guy who mm-hmm. coached his kid. Mike Babcock was on, was on the market. Right. So he things are going pretty well in Toronto. I don't think they were going to get Babcock. I don't. I mean, I honestly don't think that. Pay Babcock, him a trillion dollars. You're owned by Comcast. I think that Babcock saw something in Toronto that was a challenge. You know, he's already won everything. Whatever. I don't think Babcock was going Mitch anywhere Marner. but Toronto. But that's neither here nor there. Hextall picked a guy that coached his kid, who never won anything in the NCAA, who was kind of just Hextall's guy. And at some point, we might have to start asking the question: Was this a bad choice? It might have been. I think it was. It's starting to look like it was. I think at some point, and that point may begin in the off season, we may have to ask the question, why do we actually trust Ron Hextall? Right, because he hasn't... He's done well accumulating assets. The he trades has. he's made of NHL players... The trades have been good. The, the trades he's made... Have been, the drafts eh. have been good. The drafts, the drafts have been good. The trades of NHL players for assets like draft picks have been very good, but bringing in NHL talent, Not his great. claim to fame is Boyd Gordon, who's already been waived, and Dale Weiss, who was in the press box until the coach decided, yeah, let's give him a try. He extended uh, Andrew McDonald. Yeah. He extended Pierre that was home. Edward yeah, That was Hunger. I mean, he, but he was there. Was there he but was there. you don't know how much control he had. He extended Chris Vandevelde. We are running out of time so quickly. I just want to ask this question because it's fun for me to ask these kinds of questions. (laughs) Um, At this point right now, would you rather the combination of Jake Jake Voracek, Nick Cousins, and Sean Couturier or Jeff Carter? Jeff Carter. I'm saying it. the, The combo they have. Absolutely. 100%. Because I, I, I think Voracek is a better player than Jeff Carter. Do you own. really? 100%. Why? Because his numbers since the trade have been dramatically better in every in every aspect except goals and cups. The latter of which I would one like player, both of those things. The latter of which one player doesn't really have well, a yeah. whole lot of impact. Jeff Carter didn't I will cups, take but. an all-situation center that Jeff Carter is. He plays like uh, close to two minutes a game on the penalty kill. He... His numbers, his production is basically even at even strength with uh, with Jake Voracek. Voracek gets more assists. Carter gets more goals on the power play. The production's basically even. I would take an all-situation center and pair him with Giroux and have a 1-2 over a second-line winger, which is what Jake Voracek is. Well, I don't think Jake Voracek is a second-line winger. I think Jake Voracek is clearly a first-line right winger. I think I, he's a first power play option winger. He's great there strongly disagree with you. I mean I, also I, mean, I mean I mean maybe maybe this year if you look at his numbers he's not he hasn't performed like a first this line This is 2 years in a row this now. Year. Last year he still performed like a first line winger at even strength. Absolutely. Absolutely. He drove play, he scored not as much as maybe we would hope, but no, no. I I I, 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 20, I I would take Jake Voracek in a heartbeat over Jeff Carter. Jeff Carter's 27 goals in 54 games this year, four more than Voracek's he's career all, he's high. He's also 32. Career, uh, still more of a physical presence. His size will mean he'll be able to hold up longer than Voracek. We, we always say that, though. We always say, when Giroux was 
when Drew was 24, we were like, oh, well, Drew's going to age great because he's a passer. Like, no one friggin' knows how guys are going to age. Carter's 32. Voracek's, what, 27? Yeah, I would take Voracek in a heartbeat over Carter right now. I just think centers are more valuable than Yeah, I'll take take an all-situation center over a winger who is sometimes good and sometimes, you know... He just doesn't play. But again, Bill this, Bill likes him high and wide. It's fine. Oh. Again, and th- and this is this is the one for yeah, one. Twenty seven goals. This is this is the one for one. Even even if I will grant you that they're about even, and that's as much as I'll grant you that they're about even. Then the Flyers also have a very useful center and then a pretty useful bottom six guy as well. So to me, it's a slam dunk. It's an absolute slam dunk. I'll take Rubstov and whatever. I'm with Charlie. Over Cousins. I'm with Charlie. I take the I mean, three. Yeah, I would take Rupsov over Cousins. I take a lot of players over Cousins. Out, but, I mean, I'll take we Rupstov, don't know what Rupsov is going to be. I'll take Rupstov and whatever over Katurhe and Cousins. That is all the time we that have. That was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> what have those two ever done? That is all the time we have for you on Broad Street Hockey Radio this week. Be sure to check out BroadStreetHockey.com. And uh, thank you very much to Wildfire Radio for uh, for their great hospitality. Beautiful studio here right in the heart of South Jersey. Have a great week, Philly. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah! Let's talk about sports. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.